0: I hope that everyone will feel empowered to, as they go about their, you know, their their uh, business processes, that if any red flags come up, you know, don't even sweat it. Nothing is worth uh, the risk of uh, your personal safety and health.
1: Welcome to the real estate sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 102 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you for your continued support and for telling a friend and for leaving a rating or a review on your favorite method of accessing the show. It's how we continue to grow, and, and I can't thank you enough. Today, I am honored to talk to Carl Carter Jr., founder of the Beverly Carter Foundation, a not-for-profit set up to improve safety for all agents. As you know, Beverly Carter was kidnapped from a showing and subsequently murdered in 2014. Um, Carl has since presented to thousands of realtors about the importance of safety. Um, Last week, I saw Carl present his mother's story to the Tampa District of Fidelity National title. And I know Carl's traveled the country with with our company knowing that we can help spread the message of safety with all of our realtor friends, and that's why Carl's my guest for this episode. I'm, I want to be able to say that I'm doing everything I can do to help raise awareness on this topic as well. So, Carl, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. I can't thank you enough for this opportunity to,
1: to help make more good. Right. Excellent. I, I think the most appropriate way to start off this episode, Carl, is just for you to tell us about your mom. Um,
0: <laughs> I love that you've actually asked me uh, or given me the form to do that because. You know, so often whenever I travel and I speak, um, people are so kind and they worry about, um, especially with with telling what happened to my mother, they worry about the emotional toll that must take on me. And, um, you know, I always let them know that, you know, part of of sharing this story and part of what's good for me and healthy for me in this is to the opportunities I get um, to talk about my sweet mom. And um, so a little bit about her. She was fifty years old at the time that she was taken from us. Stunningly beautiful. And um she was my absolute best friend. And of course our moms are, you know, they're our first friend and so many ways our best friends. And um she had me when she was sixteen and I was I was a I was an oops baby and um she dropped out of high school and was a stay at home mom, got her GED at night, ended up having three boys. And, um, she was at home with us most of our childhoods. And, um, she later got into real estate. And, you know, we, I don't think that we as an industry focus on it enough how tough it is to break into this industry and be successful. And it was just her thing. And people loved her. And it's been so, so cool to, because, you know, realtors touch so many people's lives. And it's been incredible to see, um, since we've lost her, all of these people that, that, you know, we've heard from say, you know, your mom was a part of our, you know, our, our buying or our selling. And, you know, here's the impact she made on us. And she was so sweet and so kind and, um, you know, really made lasting friendships. Um, just some kind of, some get to her core. Uh, who she was. She was a a grandma, and she adored her grandkids, and she was so young that um, when I'm, you know, I also started early with this whole baby-making process, <laughs> and so um, she was a grandma in her 30s, and so, um, so she was still young and spry, and she taught my kids how to how to ski and how to ride bikes, and um, she was a a self uh, professed um, chocoholic, and um, she could eat her weight and cheese dip. But she was just a precious lady, a light to this world, um, and a great inspiration for me to keep moving forward to make some good.
1: I love how you talk about the uh, the, the the power of her relationships you know in the world of being a realtor and i know that you're now a realtor yourself kind of following in some footsteps right
0: um yeah yeah so it's it's been um quite a journey you know and it, it's so funny how you know they say never say never right and Mom would tell us stories, you know, we'd, you know, get together for whatever reason. And, and she'd be like, oh guys, let me tell you about this is going on with work. And, you know, some deal that's just kind of this crazy scenario and she's kind of walking us through it or, you know, something's got something sideways. And I mean, we would all just kind of, you know, sit and listen to mom in disbelief and be like, oh my goodness, not interested in that industry at all. <laughs> and, um, and here we are. So in this past December, um, both my wife and my brother, um, all three of us, we went and did our pre-licensure work together and, um, we all work for the same firm now. And it's just, um, it's hysterical because, you know, as we sat there, um, you know, two years out from losing mom, um, we sat in that class and we're like, oh my God, like mom is really smart. I mean, this is a tough industry. You have to know a lot of stuff. (laughs) Who knew she was more than just mom, you know, that could make good strawberry cake. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm a realtor now and. it's helped so much with with um, learning more about the business so we can help keep people safe and, um, and have perspectives about how tough some of the decisions we can make on a client-by-client basis. Um, you know, until you've been in the shoes and you get the pushback, it's just, um, it's a perspective that I never would have had. So, um, yeah, good times as a realtor so far.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Let's... You know, you, you, you've made it a mission to honor your mother by, by spreading the word of realtor safety wherever, whenever you can. Um, talk about how that message is being received out there.
0: So it's getting better. I should say that we are getting to where the message, the receipt of the message is one that is positive and welcoming. But what happened initially is that you know Mom was taken in such um a horrific way that that was really you know on the the national stage and and so I think there was this fear that okay this this kid this son of this of this woman is going around, and we are afraid that he is going to scare the mess out of our agents and that we're gonna see you know people getting out of the industry or or whatever and um or, you know, even down to little things like, you know, we'd like to have this guy in to talk about safety. It's super important, but we're used to our affiliates paying for our development days, and I just don't know that an affiliate's going to get behind such a scary story. Um, so we, you would see a lot of hesitation. Um, and I don't and I won't say that, that that was misplaced because I have seen speakers have been in the audience when they're, you know, they just kind of make you feel like, oh my goodness, if I don't buy this product that they're selling, I'm as good as dead. And, um, I think that people are becoming more open to the conversation about safety because they realize that, that it's not about scaring people and it's not about making people paranoid. It's just raising awareness. Um, And people, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, the ears kind of perk up whenever people hear me say things like, we have got to own safety in a way that it just can make our work more efficient and make us make more money. And then they're like, oh, wait, so it's more than just, of course, you know, the safety part should just be enough. But, um, when that fails, knowing that it can tie, uh, drill down to the bottom line is, um, it's really good. There is something else, though, that I, I would, um, I would say about this message. Um, I think that it's important that the message be delivered by, um, someone that the agent, the people in the audience can trust. And I have seen it, you know, back to my point earlier about the, the, the whole scary approach by my product. I've seen, um, I've seen so much where it's like, you know, there might be this person come in that gives this um riveting uh presentation, but then something happens. Just like just like, you know, maybe safety aside, you sit you're at a conference and you're listening to this person and they are phenomenal. But then the last two minutes of that presentation, they start plugging their product. And then for whatever reason, we're like, oh, gross, this is a salesperson. And then we completely discredit everything that they've set up to that point. And um, I think that it's been my experience in talking about this, and it's so important um, that it's so good to have someone that can just get up there, tell the story, been close to it, um, lived it. And um, doesn't have something to pitch on the end. The only pitch is, please put some of this to use so that you can get home safely to your family. It's pretty cool stuff.
1: Carl, as you travel around the country talking to, to all these groups, what, what are some of the most common questions you're asked? You know, my guess is you probably don't get a lot of questions during your presentation because it's very powerful. But afterwards, what are the most common common comments for you?
0: Well, first and foremost, because I. I do tell this story of, of what happened to my mom and, and, you know, it's, you know, you were there. So it's like, you know, this, this terrible things by these really, really bad people, this husband and wife that took my mom from me. And so I think by the end of the session, um, everyone feels ownership in that story and they, they want to know the resolve. So if I have, um, you know i'm not so good at staying on script i just kind of tell the story and so um if i am not clear in the outcome especially the justice portion um it is uh those are always you know hey what happened to those bad guys where are they now is there the possibility of them getting out again um and then from there you i start getting very pointed questions related to um what do you do technologically to keep yourself safe? So, you know, that's, they want to know what not, you know, not because of a sponsor or not because of anything, what does Carl Carter actually use as an agent? Um, And, you know, so I give, you know, a couple of things that I use. and, um, And then what, you I get a lot of one offs and I think they're great questions um one and this is this is kind of a it's it's a very uh the difference in kind of the uh across the United States you know there are more i get a lot a lot a lot of feedback and input on firearms and my thoughts on firearms and um and then which is a very tough thing and very controversial thing to to even broach and then Ironically, not so ironically, I don't know. Going hand in hand with that is people want to know, well, you know, the bad guys in your mom's situation. Why not death penalty? And what, what's the stance on the death penalty? And of course, I get all gets pretty personal. But um, it's you'd just be surprised. At first, I was kind of taken aback, but almost every single audience, kind of, there's someone that wants to know all of that. Um, at the conclusion of this presentation, we were just in together you know, and this happens almost every single time, I I guess because I've given such a piece of my heart that it establishes this trust between, um, and rightfully so I can be trusted with, with other victims. We can rally support, um, and support one another, but at the conclusion of these sessions, someone will come up and they'll talk about a way that they have been victimized and, um, they asked for my advice on how to how I have seemingly um, done so well. And I can promise you it has not always been um, and doesn't continue to be um, a perfect process. But um, so anyway, those are the types of things. That's what it looks like for me um, at the conclusion of these sessions. It's, it's quite complex, but, um, but people, people in the end they want results to this story and they want to know how they can at least use technology to keep what happened to my mom from happening to them.
1: Right. And then, look, I can speak from from seeing your presentation last week that it's a very powerful, moving, emotional, tough, at times, presentation. Um, but it absolutely is necessary. And I think that's that's part of the, for some people, they may struggle with that, but it's absolutely necessary because you've got to drive home a point that uh, this is this kind of thing is possible. Um, not only possible, but you know it, you've lived it as you mentioned so so um you were able to take this a little further and kind of formalize everything by forming the uh, and founding the Beverly Carter Foundation, I think just January of this year. So tell us the purpose or goal uh, of the organization.
0: I never grow old of talking about this foundation. Um, you know, I was just telling you about. At these these precious people that have had these 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 one on one conversations with how they were victimized, that can that uh, patterns grew from that, and the, the different types of things and that I was hearing from these these amazing agents, um, there were just so many different common themes throughout it, and I was like, you know, we we can do better, we can do something, and you know, rewind back to when I lost my mom and you know there were the days mom was missing for um a few days before before she was found and um and then it was even another few days before um, her funeral and i don't even think we had had the funeral yet but because it was just such a big story people started asking the question well i mean you're going to do a foundation for your mom right and it's like what <laughs> why you know um it's, it's just a sad reality that people die tragically every day. Um, what's the need? And there, I hung on to that and, and, and believed that, even though I was speaking out, I didn't see really the need and how the need that that a foundation could fill. But then these conversations with these agents kept happening, and I was like, well, you know what? Maybe what we're doing is not enough. Yeah, maybe the the National Association of Realtors has created all of these really, really great things, and they are great. But living out on a website or living in a training manual on a shelf is not good. And maybe whenever it's, you know, it's this perceived, you know, this, this, this big company, or even... Even it's the it's your bosses at your local brokerage, if they're the ones kind of preaching at you and saying, you know, here's our safety protocol, then maybe that's not what people need. Maybe people just need to con they need to be able to connect with with real and face to face. And maybe I'm old school. Old school in my thinking. Um, I think that there is nothing like a good instructor led class. Um, especially for something so emotional and so meaningful and just vital, you want to make sure you get everything um, to to the audience and so you know it, it the the thought started swirling, it 's like, okay, we need better training. we need to be relevant. We need it to be pointed specific. Actionable. We need to be scalable, so so I could literally sit down over a cup of coffee with with anyone and say, "I care about you. I've got this for you. Um, Do these things, or at least consider doing these things." Or we could have it to you know a a room of five thousand. And then also, I think that it's important for it to be customizable. I think that there are there are things that are certainly different from safety protocols, even within. My own state, as you move around, there are just different expectations and different crime trends too um and then another piece and of of what I think that the foundation can do and it should do <laughs> and it will do if I have any any say uh, as this thing grows is to when when those events happen and agents are victimized um you know, we're going to work as hard as we can to keep them from happening, but the sad reality is that they're, they're probably will. And I want this foundation to be a resource for them. I want us to, um, you know, it's an easier thing to build is to have, you know, a victim assistance fund. I, I recently spoke with a lady that, that was horribly victimized um, while showing property. And through tear-filled eyes, she's telling me about what happened to her, and she says, you know, real estate is all I've ever known. It's it's my skill set. It is my livelihood, but now I am afraid of it, and, um, you know, two things come to mind. We need to get this lady. We are not the mental health experts. We, we cannot help fulfill those needs, and nor should we try, but we need to get her in touch with people that can help her, and also, we need to be able to help her financially, Um so that she doesn't feel this need um, to just rush back out into something that makes her so afraid. So um, those are the two big veins right now: um, better training and victim assistance. And um, it's it's a, a fun ride so far.
1: Let's let's get specific about safety for a second here, so we can we'll kind of a we'll call it a deliverable, right, for the listeners. Let's, uh, let's talk. <clears throat> let's talk about you know as you've gum down this path. Give me maybe your, we'll start with a top three. Like, what are the three things that are that just have to be done in the name of safety for for realtors?
0: Well, it's first and foremost for me, and it's always in my mind because of because of what happened to my mom, and also um, just because of the the risk associated with meeting people that we have no idea who they are. So meeting strangers for the first time in a vacant property. And so we have this, um, a simple yet complex issue here, because as I speak to, uh, to rooms of agents and I say, guys, number one thing is identifying that customer. Know who you're dealing with. How are we going to do that? And if, if I open that up and it's been, it's, um, it gets chaotic. Trust me on this part, but it's like, okay, so agents, let's talk about how we are going to, before we meet anyone, identify and know positively that they, they are who they say they are. And so you hear agents say things like, well, you know what I do? I refuse to meet someone at a, Um, A house until they have sent me a picture with their phone of their driver's license. Well, just that one tip alone, there are so many holes in that particular strategy. Um, There are apps available out, you know, that that you can use. You know, you it's kind of a you know pay per use to. To go out and use certain demographic about the, the information that, uh, that clients have given to, to help build their profile. Some agents say they, well, you know, first thing I do whenever someone calls me is I Google their name and I see if I can find them on Facebook. So you have these very approaches and none, none are, or none that I've heard of yet have been perfect. So the simplest solution that, that seems most practical for everyone is never, ever, ever Meet someone at a vacant property to show a property, unless you have at least met them in a public place and requested their ID, submitted that ID to your broker. Um, That multi kind of multi-step adds in a lot of accountability and can be a great deterrent to anyone seeking to do harm. So, so that's a long drawn-out first one, which is. To identify, get a positive idea on on those clients. And um, next, the next one, um, which is one that makes me probably most nervous, because you know, back to knowing the identity, I will not show property unless I know exactly who I'm dealing with. However, we don't have the luxury of that at open houses. And so that's where you have to get down to buddy systems. And and then I'll be honest with that. I've had to do open houses where I am, it's just not feasible to, you know, every Sunday from 1.30 to, you know, 4.30 to tie up someone um, to be there as my buddy. Um, it's not realistic to, to think that you're going to have that kind of support. And so... You know, there are a number of things that we can do to combat that. I think, you know, I've used it personally as a great marketing opportunity. Um, I have, um, before I do any open houses, I will take my business card. Sometimes I'll take little bags of candy with my business card around to the neighbors and I use as an opportunity, not just to say, hey, I'm Mr. Paranoid Agent. Will you just keep your eye on me because I think someone's going to attack me? But I use this as an opportunity to get to know them say hey i apologize there's probably gonna be a little bit more traffic on the street today um i'm gonna wrap up at four so if you don't mind just kind of keeping your eye out um you know it's great it's a great opportunity to get to know people and put your name out there for future um future deals too so uh, id and and smarter open houses i promise you i could talk to you out all afternoon on um even just mistakes I've made and I've only become a realtor since losing my mom. So even with my background, I realized, you know, whenever I went Facebook live for that open house and everyone could clearly see that in the Facebook live that I'm there alone, you know, probably not the smartest move. So uh, lots of, lots of different things that we could, uh, to learn there. And then, um, the last one I'll share, um, is, it's over. It's probably overused in. Um, well, some might think that it's overused in training, but it's to trust your instinct. And uh, you know, God gave us this. It keeps us keeps us alive. The most um, valuable tool that we have. And you know, even that day, and I just know it. Whenever, whenever it appeared to my mom that things weren't going the way that the client that she and the client had agreed for showing this property. I know that my mom had that sinking feeling in her gut that was like, ah, oh, this isn't exactly, but for whatever reason, whether it was the bad guy put her at ease, or she put her own self at ease saying, hey, you know, doing self-talk, talking herself down, she she kind of remained in that situation. And um, I hope that everyone will feel empowered to as they go about their, you know, their their uh, business processes. That if any red flags come up, you know, don't even sweat it. Get out of there, and we'll worry about you know, kind of uh, repairing if any damage is done to you know an actual uh, good deal. You know, then we deal with that later. But um, nothing is worth uh, the risk of uh, your personal safety and health. Right.
1: You. You mentioned earlier uh, NAR and what they've got in, like they've they've got incredible resources and lots of tools and training. Mm -hmm. Have you have you you been able to work with them a little bit and partner with them? Have they talk about that?
0: Yeah, so I've had um, they have been extremely uh, gracious, and um, I really hope that we can have even more of a partnership in the future. But they gave me an opportunity to speak. Um, a couple of years ago on a main stage and at their legislative meeting in May. And it really, just just those few moments on stage was really kind of a springboard into, um, into this conversation about, and, and a productive conversation about what happened and um, to my mom, and then has furthered into other situations that have happened that we can learn from. And even most recently, they—I will be speaking at NAR this um, this November at the annual um, convention in Chicago. I have um, recently been on a podcast about safety uh, with with um, Nobu Hata from the National Association of Realtors, and I'm currently writing an article that will be in um, Realtor Magazine. So. So a few things going on, they've been extremely supportive. Um, we'll have a booth at NAR in Chicago and um, yeah, it's great. And, you know, I've, I've really tried to to make it known that, you know, I, I don't want to duplicate any of the great work that they're doing. I mean, they are the governing body um, and we should look to them for a lot of information, but we just seek to fill some of the gaps that we see.
1: Right, yeah, Nobu actually a guest in this podcast as well, so you'll have to look that one up. Oh, he's
0: such a great guy. Yeah, yeah such a great
1: guy. guy. Um, and then talk about you. You mentioned uh, you're going to be in Chicago. What about the rest of 2017? Are you you get Are you busy? Are you booked up a little bit? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh goodness, a little bit, my friend. Um, things are things are insane, but insane is good. Um, I have been afforded these these opportunities to speak. So um, just within the next two months, I will speak at the state level. Um, so those annual association meetings for those members at, um, at the Florida meeting. So I'll see you soon at that. Yep. Then I'll also get the opportunity, same opportunities for Georgia, Kansas, Arkansas, and um, there was one other, I thought, um, but those come to mind for sure. And, um, and then, so many places in between, and one what i I love is that you know i I think it's important and I think that it has its place um, on on some of these big stages but i my my favorite truly is that is when I get invited. And I'm just speaking to a group of 15 at a brokerage. And then we can really, you know, we talk about, we do lessons learned from my mom's story, but then we can just round table ways to keep, um, keep people safe. So, so I've kind of got, you know, I go from, from tiny, tiny, uh, audiences in rural America to, to larger stages. And it's just, um, it's good stuff. And people, many, many people are, are hungry for solutions. They recognize some of the dangers that exist. Um, so it's cool to be on the front end of that. And um, you know, for those and they are out there that don't see necessarily the value, um, then we can be a part of convincing them that, that they should be a little bit more mindful of it.
1: You know, I got to see you through a fidelity training event. And, uh, you traveled last year, I believe, with Lisa Tyler's group. She's our National Escrow administrator. And through all of the entire year, you got to travel around the country talking to our staff. We missed you in Florida last year, so you made a kind of doubled back and took care of the operations here in Florida. But um, talk about how that, you know, kind of that had to be different talking to a group of people that weren't actually realtors, right?
0: One of, you know, if I had to categorize the different types of events I've done, definitely one of the toughest. Um, not the toughest because of the actual people in the audience, because holy moly, like your employees, um, kindest people. And so I, you know, I will always, you know, credit Lisa Tyler, um, with giving me this opportunity, this platform to share how much I love my mom and to help keep other people safe. And really what Fidelity National did for me is that, you know, when I first started telling this, this story, I mean, we hadn't even gone to to the trial yet. And so it's, I feel like Lisa and Diana, we've all been on this journey together. I mean, really all, with all of Fidelity is as, as this story has kind of come, come to closure at least for certain parts of it, um, and new, new opportunities open, um, it's, we've all kind of been there for each other. So, um, I've grown through it. I've learned how to be more effective. Um, one thing that's been great is that, you know, for, for the employees that have attended these sessions, Lisa always sends out course evaluation because, Hey, we want to know how we're doing. Let's raise the bar. And so, um, the employees of, of, uh, FNF have just been so, um, I've gotten lots of good feedback on hey, you know, if you didn't focus so much on this and a little more there, um it'll be more impactful. And so it's it's been kind of cool. I will um you know, I didn't know that I would have was going to have this opportunity this year to speak. I just you know, thought that was last year's safety tour and whenever I found out that that I had these opportunities in Florida, I was like, "Yes. <laughs> this is great. I feel like, you know, if Fidelity National is like prepped me educated me and now i can come to florida and um, they can see hopefully that i've grown a little bit and i'm more impactful
1: carl i i asked the same question and i've had you here like over the 30 minutes i asked of you it's been wonderful but i'm going to ask you the same question i've asked every guest on the podcast and you're a realtor now so you definitely have the opportunity to have a thought um about this topic but if if for someone just getting started in the business, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: Make setting boundaries your number one priority. Um and I don't mean just from safety. I think that as you are getting into the business, this is a new a new world and the habits that you make right now will shape your career or certainly the next couple of years of your career and if you can learn how to have those those uncomfortable um, conversations and to to keep those boundaries in your processes, you will be such a better steward of your time it'll keep you from finding yourself in and um, potentially unethical situations, and um, it will certainly keep you safer. And to that point of safety, you know, people say, "Well, Carl, it's you don't realize how hard it is." Like whenever I insist that people meet me in a public place to prove identity before we view property, like I lose clients, and I'm like, "I I've been there. I know it's a tough conversation, but I also know that with practice." I'm learning to to have those conversations, to show those customers that by doing this, it's actually because I care about them and it's for safety all around. And so, all of this practice makes perfect. You'll get those boundaries set. It doesn't even it's not about being a jerk or a hard line. It's just hey, is what it is, and learn how to pitch it the proper way. And um, I think that that will make all the difference in your career.
1: Carl, if somebody listening to the podcast wants to reach out to you or or kind of get involved with the organization, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: I think that if they want to email me, that would be fantastic. Any way they want to get in touch with me is great. Um, so the website you can reach out, which is beverlycarterfoundation.org, or my email address is carl at beverlycarterfoundation.org. And I would love to hear from anyone. So and 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 to that point, this is a nonprofit and this we are trying to build this training material. I would love anybody that has any tips or or um this isn't just about, oh well let's see if we can fundraise for a nonprofit. This is this is truly about getting amazing material in front of people within this industry. So anyone that wants to contribute to that. Or, you know, whatever, um, you know, even down to um, I have received from from Lisa and her crew um, some amazing uh, editing of some of the articles that that I wrote. And had they not helped me edit them, it would have been a hot mess. So so I'm always thankful for any help, um, whatever skill set may be. Please join us.
1: Carl, I can't thank you enough for taking time this afternoon to uh, to sit and chat with us on the podcast really continued success. And I can't wait to see where this goes next. It's going to be really, a really fun ride to watch. And, and I, I just, I I just know how proud your mom is. And so thank you so Uh, much.
0: I can't thank you enough. That's, I tell you, I just wrote an article and I said, you know, in the end, and maybe this is selfish of me, it, nothing means more than when someone says, (laughs) um, how proud my mom would be. So, so thank you for making my day.